Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from us all at TNT Radio. TNT. You're with Jeremy now on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Jim Warfare at tntradio.live. It's my email address as always. And thank you to those who send me emails with feedback, questions, whatever. I do enjoy the interaction. Uh, it's nice to know that I'm not speaking into the void. And uh, if you are watching uh, via one of the live feeds, I think Rumble or YouTube are probably the two, the two best ones. Um, hi, nice to see you. So to speak, I can't see you, but you can see me. And uh, jump into the live chat. Um, and uh, as always, let me know where you are messaging me from. It's Friday. So it's a good way to end the week with a rather, I suppose, dark, serious conversation. But I'll I'll try and segue it at the end into something more uplifting and positive. And I'm sure Kavok will, will do that with me. So let's do that, Alex. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Kavok, Amosin. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you very much for having me. It's a really a pleasure to be with you again. Yes, uh, the, well, the pleasure is all mine. Um, it's it's quite a dark conversation, and as I said a moment ago, I'm hoping that towards the end uh, we can we can see some light at the end of the tunnel. But for now, Kavok, would you mind just kind of zooming out um, as if you were a bird and just giving just give me the 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 outlook on on what's currently happening in the Middle East? Actually, I really don't know where to start of what's happening in the Middle East, uh, because uh, <laughs> we have, <laughs> uh, since I opened my eyes uh, to politics, and even before that, uh, events are continuously happening, some of which are very hot, uh, let's say, wars, and some of which are internal conflicts. But nowadays, I think the major conflict that we have to focus on is what's happening in Gaza, because it has regional and international ramifications. And especially uh, knowing that regional countries are alarmed of what's happening in the Gaza Strip. And there are influential players in the region who invested, I would say, in the past two to three years, especially uh, when the Syrian war has become more frozen, the front lines have become uh, untouched, let's say. Some of the countries, for example, Saudi Arabia and Iran, they pursued uh, peace instead of fighting each other in proxy wars in Yemen, for example, or in Syria or in Iraq. And this has happened uh, through a mediation uh, uh, from the Chinese side. Assad flew to China. He striked a strategic partnership with China. Russia is mediating between Turkey and Syria. So there is backdrop diplomacy and diplomatic work uh, between different regional and international powers to restabilize the region. And these October 7 events, uh, in my opinion, deteriorated the situation beyond repair at the moment because Palestine is uh, has a strong, um, I would say, it's a very important case for millions of uh, people in the region and abroad because it represents for them a few things. Some people, of course, believe in religious and in, uh, let's say, uh, so, some historical, um, their beliefs is based on history and religion, let's say. But also there are so many people are interested because uh, it represents a struggle of people who are under occupation and they see it in a way that this is an issue of colonialism and anti 
anti-colonialism uh, uh, forces. So we can see there is a big vertical rift that happened in all societies. And this is not uh, exclusive to Arabic societies, but also in Western societies. For the first time, we can see that a lot of younger generation are politically active in uh, in an issue that is really important for the rest of the world instead of being just interested in some gender issues or sex issues and all these, um, uh, I would say, uh, distractions that the establishment was trying to promote among the younger generation for them to be detached from core issues, for example, one of which is in Palestine. And now that the Israeli strategy in the Gaza Strip, I would say it's very counterproductive for the Israelis themselves, for the Americans as well, because the goal, the declared goal of the Israelis uh, is to eradicate Hamas and to ethnically cleanse the Palestinians. This is what they say. It is not my analysis. They say they want to push the Palestinians to the Sinai. From the Egyptian point of view, this is an act of war. So the uh, Saudis are backing the Egyptians in this regard, although the Saudis are in talks with the Israelis to normalize the relations. So imagine the countries who already have peace agreement, such as Egypt with Israel, and such as Saudi Arabia that is trying to uh, sign a peace with, uh, with Israel, they are both coming against the Israeli strategy and that is expelling the palestinians ethnically cleansing them to egypt and egypt says this is an act of war so the situation could deteriorate between uh, not the enemies of israel but rather countries that are already in peace agreement with with israel on the second uh, part of this conflict we can see that hezbollah and israel are exchanging fire uh, and Hezbollah, uh, I think the number of the Hezbollah fighters who uh, got killed are around 120 now. It's a huge number. And they are uh, killing also lots of IDF soldiers uh, at the same time. Now, Israel knows that they cannot bring all their uh, military might and power to the Gaza Strip. Because if they do, then this could open the opportunity for Hezbollah to intervene in this conflict more, let's say, uh, to wage a ground offensive against uh, Israel. So one third of the Israeli army is busy nowadays in the north. Half the artillery power or half the air force is busy in the north of Israel and not in the south. And now uh, Netanyahu says that they are preparing or they have a plan to uh, wage a ground invasion of Lebanon. Ground invasion of Lebanon is not like a ground invasion of the Gaza Strip. I mean, in Gaza Strip, they waited two weeks and the Americans were pressuring and asking the Israelis to abort the mission and not to go into the Gaza Strip. But Netanyahu refused. In, in southern Lebanon, it is, is a completely different type of geography. It's more mountainous, hills, and Hezbollah has built a city under a city in southern Lebanon. We're not talking about a small um, uh, area such as the Gaza Strip. It's a huge area that is that Hezbollah fighters have built their bunkers and tunnels under the ground in which even tanks can pass through these tunnels. Those are huge tunnels. And Hezbollah, uh, if you see in 2006 war, for example, when Israelis invaded southern Lebanon, there was one of the battles called uh, Bintage Bell um, uh, battle. And in Bintage Bell battle, the Israelis had hundreds of IDF soldiers, underground air force, helicopters fighting. The Hezbollah fighters were 50. <laughs> 
50 fighters from Hezbollah's side because uh, uh, Israelis are fighting ghosts. They do not see the Hezbollah fighters. Hezbollah fighters are, uh, they know the geography and they know all their uh, bunkers and tunnels and trenches and everything. And they have sophisticated weaponry. They're speaking about uh, serious uh, anti-tank rockets, not like the ones that Hamas has. We're speaking about anti-ship cruise missiles. We're speaking about precision missiles. So Hezbollah can neutralize all the air force of uh, of uh, Israel by targeting all the air bases of uh, of uh, of Israel, and that's why the American warships and aircraft carriers are in the Middle East because in case of of escalation and if if Hezbollah intervenes, then the Israeli warplanes will have no place to land, and then they will use the American warships and American cruise missiles. So. Apparently, the Israeli policy here, which is eradicating Hamas and ethnically cleansing Palestine, this is, uh, uh, as we can see, after one and a half and two months of fighting, it's unattainable for them. Therefore, the risk for deterioration is high. And that also means American involvement will be imminent if the Israelis expand this war. So Americans know this. And when Jack Sullivan or Anthony Blinken, when they come to Israel, whatever they say in media, in the press, it's different from what they speak in behind closed doors. In my opinion, and this is just I'm being the naive me, Americans do not want a regional war. And the Americans mm. are asking the Israelis to back down and tone down the military operation. And they're speaking, for example, see the language, what they use. They say, we have spoken about the, the second phase of this conflict, changing the, uh, the, the type of warfare in Gaza into more targeted attacks instead of, of course, carpet bombing uh, the Gaza Strip. Because the Americans know that if uh, things go out of hand, then you will have involvement from the Houthis in, in Yemen. You will have retaliation from the Iraqi resistance. You will have uh, retaliation from the Syrian resistance. You will have Iranian involvement in this conflict. And the, uh, we can see that uh, the flow of energy will be blocked. Uh, the, uh, the prices will be skyrocketed of the energy around the world. And also the international trade will be stopped through the Red Sea if the horses intervene. And the Americans, they have presence in the region. And if they want to defend themselves, then they have to bring their, again, air defenses. It's a very complicated situation. Americans do not want to get killed in the region for, 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 for the Israelis at, at this current moment. But the Israelis have a strong, very strong influence in Washington, D.C. And in my opinion, they are... Uh, dragging their ally uh, to a conflict that the Americans do not want. And 70% of the Americans want a ceasefire now in the Gaza Strip. So the American administration is not listening to them. And in the UN General Assembly, when everybody, almost everybody, 155 countries voted in favor of resolutions that is calling for a ceasefire, that is calling for uh, Palestinians' rights for self-determination and a just solution for the Palestinian and Israeli conflict, only the United States voted against and Israel and some small islands that I have never heard of them before in my life. So when they speak about international community, International community is now on the side of ceasefire, and we have to promote for a ceasefire because what's the alternative of a ceasefire? It's it's war, and this war mm. is killing o o around 200 kids every day. 
So if it's if this is not an enough reason for people to wake up and call for a ceasefire, then they have to to look at themselves in the mirror and see that there is really a monster there that is speaking and not a human, in my opinion, if they still want to continue this war in, in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, when I asked you for the bird's eye view, a place to start, I also have that problem. I, it's so complex. The web is so, is so intertwined and interwoven. Um, and, and that's why I found myself kind of trying to go back to well, actually, the, the roots of Zionism, the roots of Israel and that sort of thing, because that seems to be where a lot of this is stemming from. You you were, you were talking about colonialism. And when I spoke to um, Professor Ilan Pape, he, he, he specifically used the words settler colonialism. In other words, there were people there already and they were dispersed, hence the Nakba. And I suspect that a lot of this goes back to that, doesn't it? My friend, I come from the Middle East. I come from Syria. We have a Jewish community in Syria. And I truly believe nowadays um, that the Jewish people are safer in Syria than in Israel. And this is probably sure. ironic, but it's true. I have Jewish friends in Damascus. They can wear their kippah nowadays and they can walk in the streets of Damascus and nobody says anything or can yes. even touch them. I saw that photograph. Yeah. yeah. And and in, in, in the West, and I'm saying this with a heavy heart because also Jewish people feel threatened. This is this is true. We cannot we cannot uh, underestimate that they are afraid nowadays. But one of the reasons I'm saying there are for multiple reasons. There are people who are just pure anti-Semites, right? They hate the Jewish people for being Jewish people. But there is also another reason that the Netanyahu government says that they are the only and the sole representative of the Jewish people in Palestine, in Israel, and all around the world. Because any Jewish person, and if even if he or she is not born as a Jew, but his grandmother or his mother was a Jewish, they can claim Israeli citizenship. They can go and get an Israeli citizenship, and, and the Israeli government says, we represent you all around the world. So if the Netanyahu government represents, for an argument's sake, all the Jewish people around the world, which they don't, However, if they claim that and they are committing these atrocities, horrendous crimes in, in, in Gaza, in the West Bank, in Lebanon, in Syria and elsewhere, then some people will attribute the actions of the uh, Israeli government to the Jewish people and they will say, this is your government, this is what the government is doing and this government says that it represents the Jewish people. We have to understand the mass psychology of the people. Of course, this is not the correct way of seeing things because in Berlin, when I go to the demos, for example, for uh, calling for ceasefire or peace in Palestine, you can see many Jewish people holding the banners and say, not in my name. You do not represent me. Uh, Judaism is uh, a religion, just like Christianity, just like uh, Islam, and you are creating an ethnocentric uh, religious state in 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 Palestine over the corpse of other people, and they don't want mm. that. And I am on their side. <laughs> I am on the side of the Jewish people who reject this Zionist project because, in my opinion, in the in the twenties, thirties, forties. And when the Jewish people were uh, persecuted and prosecuted, and they were living very harsh uh, conditions, and they were subjugated to all sorts of sadism by different groups, whether state-sponsored or non-state-sponsored, uh, persecution against the Jewish people, many of whom 
they wanted to uh, escape this persecution, right? And many of whom they sat in the sh ships and they came to Palestine and they were received as guests and as refugees. However, the planners of the Zionists who wanted to establish a state in Palestine, they converted this, uh, uh, what I would say, the escape of the Jewish people from their former countries to Palestine as a settler colonial project. So they, uh, they, they converted the idea of saving the Jewish people from harm to a settler project on others' territories, on other people's lands and farms and uh, uh, and apartments, right? So the difference is that the Jewish people, they have all the right to live in Palestine and anyone who wants to come to Palestine and live as an equal citizen, they should be allowed to. Just like I am one of the people who encourage and I still call on the Syrian government to do more to encourage the Jewish people uh, who have Syrian root and now they are in the United States, most of them, to come back and visit their home country and see if they can resettle again. Because the beauty of the Syrian society, the Palestinian society, the Lebanese society, is that it has a rich, multicultural, multi-societal, and multi-civilizational societies. And unlike the multiculti that the Western governments try to impose and socially engineer, it was formed naturally and not enforced from a tyrannical power from above, right? And uh, uh, I'm 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 one of the proponents of that that the Jewish people should uh, come back and visit Syria and if they can see that they can uh, live again in Syria that would be amazing, but not as a settler, not as someone who comes uh, and takes my home or my apartment and says now this is this has become mine, and this is happening because of the uh, politicization of the. Um, um, of the pain, of the suffering of the uh, of the Jewish people in the past by the Zionists in order to establish a nation for themselves in Palestine. Remember when Balfour uh, said that we promise uh, um, a homeland for the Jewish people in in Palestine. He didn't say the nation. He didn't say the state. He didn't say the country. A homeland could be anywhere that they can live in peace and harmony with the rest of the people who were there. But the moment they mm -hmm. arrived, the Zionists formed their militias uh, from Argons, from Haganas, from other militias, and they burned down entire towns and entire cities, kicked out the Palestinians, tens of thousands of them, and they built their own settlements there, and this is unacceptable. This has we cannot accept this as a starting point of a conversation and say let's forget what happened in the past because yeah. what happened in the past is affecting the region today, and we have half a million Palestinian refugees in Syria, we have half a million Palestinian refugees in Lebanon, and we have two million Palestinian refugees in Jordan. So these countries, they have taken a huge burden of receiving Palestinians and trying to integrate them in the society, in their own societies. And of course, it's nowadays, nobody speaks about the right of return. The right of return yeah. is guaranteed by the UN, the UN Security Council Resolution 242336. All of them say that the Palestinians have the right to return home. But who is going to allow them to go home? What's happening nowadays is is a is a uh, it's the opposite. They are the Israeli government says their officials say they are going to kick 2.2 million Palestinians from the Gaza Strip to the Sinai. 
Why do they want to do that? Because in their vision, they believe in a one-state solution by the Zionists. This is this is this is their saying. This is not my analysis. In order to do that, my friend, there is one threat against the uh, Israeli project, and that is the demographics. The Palestinians have a, a, a lot more higher birth rate compared to the Jewish people, and on the long run, if they are going to to be committed to one state solution under the Zionist state and they're going to be elections and uh, other things. It has to be they cannot, they, they Jewish people have to be more than the Palestinian people for them to, yeah. to be dominant over the society. So you are yeah. excluding 2.2 million people to the Sinai and the Israelis, what they're doing, and this is an information uh, that I know, 100% accurate information, Israeli government is speaking with European governments in order to urge them to receive Palestinian refugees when they kick them out from the Gaza Strip to Sinai. And they're asking for quotas, like uh, you, Germany, or you, France, maybe you can take 200,000 people, or you, you uh, uh, Great Britain, maybe you take 100,000 people. They want to make what is called the quota for these refugees and spread them all over Europe, while the United States will receive zero of them, by the way. <laughs> Nobody in the United States will going to receive Palestinian refugees, but the Europeans will have to receive. And imagine what could happen next in the future if there is a similar uh, conflict in in, in mm. Palestine between the Palestinians and the Israelis, when you have 2.2 million Palestinians in Europe and they go to the streets, right? This is going to stabilize the European societies. So what is ironic here is the right-wing groups in Europe who claim to be anti-war in the past two, three years when, when the Ukraine <laughs> war started. And they were like, and I must have even bought for, for their for their BS. It's like, oh my God, finally the, yeah. the right-wing people are now anti-war, you know? It's like the left and the liberals are for war. And then when it came to, to Israel, it's all of a sudden- all the same. They, they mm -hmm. found the the current their current thing in 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 Israel Palestine, and uh, what they're doing is they're shooting their own leg. They're asking for more from the Israeli government, which means the expulsion of the Palestinians to the Sinai, and then these people will come to Europe. Whereas the right wing people say we don't want migrants and refugees from from Middle Eastern and African countries. So what they're doing is is uh, against their own interests, and uh, unfortunately, however. The brainwashing and the indoctrination is so big and it's so successful that um, there is this, what they call the Christo, Christo, Judeo Christian values. I don't know what do they mean by that. I must have a Christian. Yeah, I must have also a Christian. I don't understand what they mean by that. Uh, the Christians in Palestine are persecuted uh, the same way yeah. the Muslim people are. And you can see the other day, this is also another information for you, my friend. Uh, if you heard of two women, Catholic women, yes. who were sniped by the Israeli forces in the Gaza Strip, it's worse than the people think it is. This case is a um, clear-cut execution case because uh the the mother when she went out of the church she was sniped okay by the idf and her daughter when she saw her mother injured she followed her to save her mother and they sniped her uh, daughter as well like actively, in a matter of years on purpose actively, yes on purpose of course in a matter of seconds it's not like these two people were walking together and then the israeli side they missed 
uh, or they thought they are terrorists. They knew they are women, and at the beginning they killed, the murdered the mother, and then when the daughter came to save her mother's body, drag her mother's body, they sniped her. And this was my my um, messenger is open, and my DMs are open on Instagram. And a woman contacted me from Palestine, and she said these two women are her uh, relatives, and I wanted to speak to the relatives of these uh, victims. Uh, they're so afraid to come and speak on YouTube or on TV because the Israelis are targeting these faces who are uh, uh, speaking up and talking to the TV. And you can see the journalists, the activists who were uh, directly targeted. And if any Palestinian is listening to us nowadays, I just want to give a really small advice, especially for the activists and the journalists, about the smartphones, about the uh, the smart watches, the smart watches, especially the i uh, Apple's and the other Android watches, those are the complete open uh, technologies for the Israeli side to infiltrate. If they want to locate anyone influential in the Gaza Strip, they can locate him through his smartwatch. There are apps oh. <laughs> that they can they can infiltrate and they can locate the exact location. And that's how they murdered multiple people. The other day in Lebanon, they murdered uh, two uh, journalists the other day. And uh, I was checking their photos and both of them during the uh, live coverage, they were wearing the uh, smartwatches. So I digged sure. in and I found out that the CIA in Syria they found sensitive information and sensitive the location of people who work in sensitive military uh, facilities in Syria by spying on their smartwatches and their iPhones through uh, a training app. Can you imagine a fitness app? They were able to locate the location of people and try to kill them through a, a fitness app. And this is true thing. And it could be also happening in Palestine now or in the Gaza Strip. Yes, that is unbelievable. Or or maybe it is actually believable, I suppose. Yeah, it is believable. It happens yeah. all the time. The Israelis have a strong uh, cyber army, a cyber security army. They are uh, developing application softwares that you think they're just uh, innocent uh, softwares that are free of charge and you install them. Those are spying and malware uh, softwares. Not all of them, of course, but they have this uh, capacity. Mm. Kavok, um, let's go back to the 7th of October for a moment. And something that doesn't make sense to me is, yes, the conflict has been ongoing for years and years and years. What do you think happened actually on the 7th? Why did Hamas supposedly go in with this aggressive maneuver? And as it turns out, uh, the Israelis... Also, they had their, 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 um, their defenses pretty much offline for a number of hours. The whole thing doesn't really make sense to me. And if they had known that this response was going to be so aggressive, why do you think they did this? Very good question. Unfortunately, I would say a few things here. Uh, the reports coming from Egypt say that the intelligence of Egypt already warned. Uh, the Israeli side that Hamas is preparing something on that day and their warnings were ignored. So if this is true and the Israeli government was watching Hamas to uh, commit this attack on the kibbutzes, they allowed them to come to Israel and this was an intentional allowance for Hamas to come to the kibbutzes 
and uh, in order to trigger a reaction and implement the plan, which is the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians in the Gaza. So if we want to believe in this narrative, but if we want to believe in the other narrative, which is Israel heavily relied on artificial intelligence in collecting uh, data from the Gaza Strip, which is uh, Israelis have a very complicated system of gathering data from uh, Gaza. They basically inc uh, collect every phone call, every SMS, every WhatsApp, every messenger, every everything coming from the Gaza Strip. And they have um, an artificial intelligence that filters it, analyzes it, and then you have the humans who are coming to conclusions. And here comes the, the second theory, and that is a human failure to predict uh, what was coming there because this could be one of the two scenarios one is that it is a complete artificial intelligence and human failure together um or two hamas uh, had uh, had created a, a parallel communication apparatus and uh, system that the israelis had uh, were not aware of and this is something that probably uh, some people say it's a Chinese technology that the uh, Israelis were blind about. Probably they brought this technology from friendly countries such as Iran or I don't know, probably from other countries from the black market. I'm just giving a theory here. We don't know exactly if that is the case. But Scott Richard believes that the is it, this was... Uh, failure from the Israeli side, artificial intelligence failure and human failure. But the, the other theory is, which is probably, it is also probable that the Hamas, they blinded the, um, the Israelis by sending the same signals that the Israelis always expect. So they are still collecting all the data, uh, the same quantities and the same quality of uh, data from, from the Gaza Strip. But in parallel, they established, um, a, a secure communication system among them, very few people, and they were preparing for it, uh, for this attack. Why Hamas did this? This is another very important question because the retaliation of the Israeli side, it doesn't amount to the act that Hamas did. Of course, the there were so much exaggerations. First, they said 2,000 civilians dead. Then it was 1,400, then 1,200. And now of the 1,200, we know half of them are, were soldiers. And we have around 200 hostages uh, in, 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 in Gaza. If you ask me, I believe that Hamas did this to take as much as hostages possible from to kill the soldiers in in the in the military bases around uh, the Gaza strip to humiliate the Israeli army in front of the public opinion in front of the Islamic world and show them how they were dragged uh, from their military bases and killed and two to get as much as hostages possible to exchange them with the 5000 Palestinian hostages in Israeli prisons this is if i am there and i'm living there and i'm going to a plan for such an attack, if I'm thinking rationally, I would do such things. But because in the media and the politicians, they try to paint things always black and white, and they want to give us childish uh, analysis because they don't want for the people to think beyond their noses. Uh, Hamas is ISIS. It's done, right? There is no more analysis when you say Hamas is ISIS, because if Hamas is ISIS, then, then they just woke up in the morning uh, when they were with, in their tents 
And all of a sudden, they decided to attack on Israel to kill as much as Jewish people as possible. So if you want to believe in the narrative that uh, Hamas is ISIS, then of course, you want also to believe that Hamas can wake up in the morning and just want to kill Jewish people for the sake of being Jewish people, right? So we have all these theories in combined. I believe, uh, if you ask me, um, it's either the first theory and uh, that the Egyptians warned them and they didn't listen because they wanted for the attack to happen so that they retaliate and and kick the Palestinians out of the Gaza Strip because they already had a pre-planned uh, plan uh, for, for the Gaza Strip. Or the second one, which was an artificial intelligence and human failure uh, in this regard. But in, in, in either way, uh, 600 civilians killed among the Jewish people, which is, uh, in my opinion, horrendous, and it should never happen. And this is condemned. Uh, it should never happen. But at the same time, if you cannot condemn uh, over 20,000 civilians dead in the Gaza Strip, uh, and you come just ask other people to condemn what Hamas did, uh, like Pierce Morgan and other people, if you wake up in the morning and you're speaking about the weather and he comes in your dreams, you know, do you condemn Hamas? It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's too, it's too much, you know? Uh, uh, yes, I condemned Hamas for killing civilians. Uh, uh, some of them killed during a crossfire. Some of them were killed by the Israeli army itself because they have what is called the Hannibal directive. They have to kill what they call the terrorists before, when they are taking hostages. This is there in their uh, military training. So what the soldiers did, they just followed the instructions. Uh, so some of them were killed during crossfire. Some of them were killed uh, by shelling and bombing of the kibbutzes by the Israeli army. And some of them were also probably killed by Hamas. We don't know the uh, estimates and the numbers correctly, but if Hamas killed any innocent uh, Israeli civilian, I personally condemn that. But you guys who are giving a carte blanche for Israel, do you condemn 20,000 civilians murdered with cold blood in their homes, in their apartments, while the entire buildings and units are falling over the heads of kids, children? When you see the footage coming from Palestine, if you have any humanity in you, how can you even continue saying that you support Israel's right to defend itself? How is it possible to kill 20,000 people uh, 50% of the ammunition Israel uses is unguided rockets and unguided missiles. They don't even want to use the precision missiles, which gives you the impression that the Israelis do not want to minimize the civilian casualties in the Gaza Strip because mm. even if the war is over, even if they don't defeat Hamas in the, in the mindset of Israel, they should make Gaza unlivable. Uh, in in uh, un inhabitable for the people, so that nobody comes to northern Gaza again, and 2.2 million people are stuck in southern Gaza, in an, in a very small area, very densely populated. There is going there is going to be diseases. There is going to be outbreaks of diseases. There is going to be a high level of densely populated. There is going there is going to be diseases. There is going to be outbreaks of diseases. There is going to be a high level of um, uh, students not going to schools. There's going to be all sorts of bad things if you if you cage 2.2 million people. Uh, you know the size of Gaza Strip, right? It's very small already. Mm. Now half of mm. it is destroyed. The other half is going to stay in southern Gaza, and nobody's allowed to come and uh, rebuild the northern Gaza. Israelis are not going to allow that. So now the pressure will be all the time on Egypt to open the border 
and slowly by slowly take some of the refugees, put them in what Israelis call tent cities there, and then uh, give them asylum statuses and send them to Europe. This is what the Israeli government is thinking. It's either complete annihilation and the uh, ethnic cleansing of Palestinians now, or we force them to stay in southern Gaza and slowly, slowly take them to Egypt uh, through the next months and years and take them all to Europe at the end. And I know from my experience here in Berlin, I have uh, friends from the Gaza Strip, and this was happening a long time ago. Any Palestinian in the Gaza Strip who studied, let's say, bachelor degree in engineering or any other faculty, they were receiving scholarships uh, or human sciences or humanities. They were receiving scholarships in Europe very quickly. If you want to come mm -hmm. to Europe right. to visit, that's 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 impossible. You, they're not going to give you a visa to come and visit Europe. They're not going to give you uh, any sort of different visas just for... Uh, education and by doing so they empty the society in the Gaza Strip from their intellectuals and also uh, uh, weakening the social fabric of, of the Palestinians there. This is all well uh, uh, in my opinion, planned what they what they did and when you were a Palestinian from Gaza and you came to let's say uh, Paris or to Berlin and you studied here and you did your uh, master and then PhD, do you really think that this person is going to go back and live in the Gaza Strip under the bombs? Of course not. Yeah. He's going yeah. to have his degree, he's going to have his job, and then they open something else called family reunion. Family reunion is, if, I've, if I'm a man from the Gaza Strip, I'm educated, I have a job, I can bring my family, I can bring my father, I can bring my mother. So that's how you empty also uh, the Gaza Strip. Slowly, slowly, they were doing it for quite some time and now it accelerated. Kavok Almasian, I'll be back with you shortly. My name is Jerm, this is TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility, you're still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, Ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From aginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. You are loved. You are valued. You are resilient. You got this. You are there for them. We are here for you. Find free care guides at aarp.org caregiving. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Kvork, um, I did say at the beginning of the conversation, I wanted a silver lining. Do you have a silver lining? Actually, I really don't know if uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas, you must have something positive, come on. I was I was, I was, was watching today um, uh, Gabe, uh, uh, the Gabo Mate, in one of his recent podcasts. And uh, if he is pessimistic about this case, um, I'm very realist, you know. I know mm. that the Israeli side is capable of... Uh, of doing what they want to do in the Gaza Strip. Hamas is not the invincible army or uh, an army that can uh, continue fighting for months and months because they don't have uh, reinforcement, they don't have ammunition, everywhere is closed and blocked. I mean, it's not like Hezbollah. Hezbollah has an open border with uh, Syria to Iraq to or to Iran. They always can get reinforcement and uh, ammunition and weaponry, but Hamas cannot. So realistically speaking, Israel can actually do ethnic cleansing there the 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 challenge is now on the what is called the international community on the quote unquote rules-based order if we want to believe that there is still rules and order and international law etc then the superpower of this uh, international system or the leader of this international system is the united states but the united states refuses to vote for ceasefire in the u.n security council in the u.n general as even in the u.n general assembly that is unbinding resolution uh americans are voting against it so it, uh, no, I, I, I do not see that there is hope, unfortunately, uh, in this case. And uh, I don't want to sell uh, something and say something to the people uh, just to hype up their morale and uh, and excite them about a, a close end of this conflict. The, the realities on the ground indicate that this is going to continue. And when... Um, the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was in Tel Aviv recently. Uh, what he heard basically from the Israelis, uh, that this war is going to continue for months. This is what he heard. So the, oh. the, the American side said, then let's change the type of warfare that you are waging against the Palestinians. And this is what Jake Sullivan was very careful in framing it. We're going to discussing about changing, uh, uh, like jumping to the second phase of this, uh, of this conflict to more targeted uh, killing. Um, because international uh, community is no more just the United States and some of the Western governments. We can see a clear change and clear shift in the uh, mood, the opinions and the biases and the alliances around the world. And the Americans can bring all the European Union countries as a one bloc against Russia in, in Ukraine. But they are not able to bring the entire world with them. They also have only probably 30, 35 countries and the rest of the world uh, saying no uh, to, to the United States. Even the traditionally traditional allies of the United States in Saudi Arabia, in the UAE, in Egypt, they're saying no to the Americans. They're dealing with the adversaries of the United States. Therefore, uh, as long as uh, we have uh, a unipolar world uh, that one side can dictate uh, um, wars and the outcomes of these wars, we're not going to see peace around the world unless there is a second power or a third power emerge and they rebalance this power and say, tell the Americans that you have to end the war in the Gaza Strip. You have to end the war in Syria. You have to end the war in Iraq. 
And the United States can do that. If the United States voted for the ceasefire resolution in the UN Security Council, what what was what what can the Israelis do in this regard? Most of their weapons and uh, bombs are coming from the United States. Their production in Israel is not enough to keep the pace uh, with this in in this war. There are retired army generals in the Israeli army. They say, were it not for the American support, we cannot continue fighting now in in the Gaza Strip because there is an mm-hmm. uh, air bridge bringing all sorts of weaponry to and ammunition to the Israeli side. So I'm I'm a little bit pessimistic because uh, from the American side, um, the other day I was watching Kim I- uh, Iverson and she made a good point also about this. She said, um, if what could the Americans have done in this UN Security Council? Uh, like vote for uh, a ceasefire? Okay, let's suppose the American side voted for a ceasefire. If the Israelis then uh, not abide with the ceasefire and continue fighting in the Gaza Strip, what would be the position of the United States? Humiliated, right? If the closest ally of the United States is not listening to the United States anymore, this is a humiliating moment for the Americans themselves, which also will give the impression, probably rightfully so, that it's not the Americans who are in in control of the Israelis, but the Israeli lobby in Washington, D.C. is probably in charge of the foreign policy of the United States. This will send all sorts of conflicting signals uh, to the to around the world. That's why, if you saw the moment when um, the envoy of the Americans in in the UN Security Council vetoed the resolution for a ceasefire, if you saw his how when he brought his hand down, and these two fingers were shaking out of fear, this is a body language. You know that this guy knows that what he did is wrong. And his adrenaline levels were hitting his his brain, and his conscious was really hurting him. But he has to follow the instructions from Washington D.C. anyways. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is, even in the standards of the American wars that we've seen in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, etc., um, the amount of civilian casualties in 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 the Gaza Strip is um, harming the uh, American rules based order. Because only two weeks before the 7th of October, they were all speaking about uh, sovereignty, rules-based order, human rights in, in Ukraine, and they're weaponizing it against Russia. And the moment this incursion happened into the Gaza Strip, they just took everything they spoke, they were speaking about, they put it in the, in the, in the bin, and they just created a completely different narrative now. That all the all these uh, casualties are tragic. My heart is bleeding from inside. But there is always this but. Israel has the right to defend itself. Israel has the right to uh, doesn't have the right to defend itself on occupied territory. This is according to international law. This is not my analysis. Mm. Israel has the right to defend itself within the borders set by by international law. Like if there is an attack in 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 Tel Aviv where it is internationally recognized Israeli territories, they have the right to defend themselves within these parameters. But they don't have the right to defend themselves in the West Bank. They don't have the right to defend themselves in East Jerusalem. And especially, they don't have the right to defend themselves when you completely besiege 2.2 2.2 million people in a very small place, turn it into an open-air slave, like an open-air prison. Those are not, not my words. Human rights organizations are saying this. 
And then the people just think about the psychic, the psychology of the people stuck there. Mm. They cannot go out. They haven't seen in their lives uh, anything except that small square kilometers. They cannot go to the Rafah. They cannot go to Egypt. They cannot go to the Israeli side. They cannot go anywhere. I mean, they cannot even swim more than few meters in 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 the gaza waters because they will get sniped by the israeli side they cannot fish in their water because they will get sniped by the israeli side it's it's just a prison what, like put yourself in the place of these people and caged all this year as a human being you want to liberate yourself or not like it, mm. it, if you if you're a human being you might also resort to terrorism to uh, to free yourself and free your uh, uh free your family and especially if some of you if your brother is got killed or is a prisoner in the Israeli uh, custodies, etc., etc. I'm speaking about psychology now. I truly mm. think that human beings are free, uh, free uh, souls. You cannot cage a human being against his will, and especially when he didn't commit something. If, if somebody committed a crime and you put this person in prison, he would probably accept psychologically that he's getting punished for doing something. But if you were born in the Gaza Strip and you open your eyes and your parents said, now you are caged with us in this small town forever. Like imagine what what future do you have except joining Hamas? Like mm. it, this, is, this is what Israel is doing. When you completely push a people into desperation, they will go and join Hamas, Jihad and other groups. And, and people have to know, I am not in favor of Hamas. I'm not in favor of Jihad, especially their ideologies. I've been attacking them in the past 10 years because they proved to be uh, closer to Qatar and Turkey and they are a Muslim Brotherhood group, which I despise. And because of my attack against Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood, many of the Israeli journalists thought that I'm I'm somehow pro-Israel, and they started following me, and and they were now shocked when the seven when when this uh, when this event started happening, and they even invited me to Israeli shows as a Middle East expert, which I refused to participate. Uh, so I, I'm not a pro-Hamas person, uh, but I'm 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 trying to explain why this has happened. And why people join Hamas, and why some of them probably use uh, terroristic tactics uh, in, in 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 the Gaza Strip, uh, I do not uh, try to find uh, justifications. I'm trying to explain. Uh, if you mm. don't want to uh, also for the Israelis to take accountability for what they're doing I I to the Palestinians, nobody is born violent, wants to use arms and kill people and do this and that. But everyone is ready. When your home is attacked, you you this is your duty to defend yourself, your family, your mother, your sister, your uh, your wife, etc. And this is what's happening in, in in Palestine, and you can also similarly in the West Bank where there is no Hamas. Why is there armed resistance against the uh, Palest uh, against the Israeli rule in the West Bank? Because West Bank belongs to the Palestinians, but the Israelis have established all sorts of checkpoints, humiliating the Palestinians every day. If somebody wants to go from one town to another five miles away it takes two hours to just walk five miles in two hours if you want to go from bethlehem to jerusalem it could take you five hours which is 20 minutes 30 minutes uh path how is this how is this even humane and then you have soldiers everywhere 
I mean, and then all of a sudden they come and say, oh my God, look at this beautiful blonde Israeli soldier got killed by Palestinian terrorists. <laughs> what is this beautiful blonde woman doing in East Jerusalem on Palestinian land? Why nobody asks that question? What was she doing there? Why is she even in the military serving unoccupied territories? Imagine you're asking this question to any other occupied people and say why are you fighting against your occupier mm. just uh, submit nobody does that if if you if if we come if the muslims come to to uh, united states to europe and occupy it would do, do the europeans fight against it of course they would fight against it right people wants to preserve their homes their culture their civilization their their stuff so it's totally normal what's happening there unless the occupation is over and the israelis dismantle this uh, uh, discriminatory system against the Palestinians until the the uh, Israelis dismantle the all the settlements on occupied territories. There's not going to be peace. There yeah. are two options: either the continuation of violence, it's an empty circle of violence, or the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians. And both options are worse than each other. So, I hope some same voices and same people emerge from this conflict in in the israeli uh, political system and intellectuals they, i can see lots of articles on how it's criticizing uh netanyahu for what he's doing in, in in the gaza strip but there has to be strong political force now to push against this uh, madness my understanding of this conflict is there should be now two-state solution palestinians have to have their uh, territories and back uh, Israelis have to withdraw from the occupied territories in Palestine, in Lebanon, and in Syria. Give back the territories that you occupied after the 4th of June 1967 war. And then we have to start uh, uh, an integration process. Uh, this is just my opinion. Uh, integration process, re-education, re-indoctrination of both the Israelis and the Palestinians to accept each other in a generation or to create a state for all. One state, yeah. Jewish people, Muslim people, Christian people have the same rights and the same duties in a democratic country. That would be the best solution. But this should come after creating a two-state solution and ending the conflict first and drawing borders, etc. Kavok, I, I would love to chat more to you, but as you can clearly see, the time is running out. So uh, how can I follow you? First of all, thank you very much, my friend, for having me on your show. It's a really pleasure to be with you. I'm most of the time uh, posting regularly on my YouTube channel, and also I'm now on Rumble under Syriana Analysis. I do podcasts and interviews and analysis about the current affairs, geopolitics mostly. And also I'm on X, formerly known Twitter, uh, under my personal name, Kevork Almasian. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. I will uh, be back, I think, only next Thursday. We'll be off for a few days. Um, but uh, please send me an email if you enjoyed my conversation with Kavork. Um, I l always love chatting to him. Uh, Jim Warfare at TNTradio.live. Who's in the studio with you there, Alex? Is it Joel? I can't see. Is it Joel? Yes, it's Joel. So Joel is the reason why you can see me. And uh, Alex is the reason why you can hear me sounding absolutely awful. He is the one who, who's, who's, who's just making me sound completely unprofessional. And my hope is that Joel will do the same. We, I, I really enjoy setting the bar really low uh, so, that, so that when something goes good, something goes well, <laughs> then it's a good thing. <laughs> anyway, all right, I'll catch you end of next week. I'm out of here. Have a great Christmas.
My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.